1: two of extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Welcome in. It is Monday. It is October 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today. Before we get into some Major League Baseball discussion, playoffs are set. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started with the Arizona Cardinals. They did play competitively but fell to the 49ers 35 to 16 yesterday the question here at kdos 1060.com through four games are you convinced with the cardinals jonathan gannon and his coaching staff yes remains out in front here 85 percent of the vote no trailing at 15 percent
0: i might beg to differ a little bit competitively no point of that game yesterday i think the cardinals were going to win ever not one for not for one second
1: on Twitter, at AM 1060 does the Diamondbacks' four-game losing streak to end the regular season mean anything in this week's Wild Card series at Milwaukee? Yes, out in front at 66.7% of the vote, no trailing at
0: 33.3%. I think we've seen in the past that what happens at the end of the regular season, uh, whether a team's hot or cold, really doesn't mean much of anything once the postseason starts, and the Diamondbacks are certainly hoping that's the case.
1: We will answer those two questions around 1130. We'll take your phone calls at uh, 1115 602-260-1060 is the number. So with the Major League Baseball playoff set, the Diamondbacks are in. They are the sixth seed. They will play the Brewers on Tuesday. It's uh, the best two out of three for the series all in Milwaukee. Game one will be Tuesday, 4.08 p.m. ESPN 2, and it looks like Brandon Fott is going to be the starter. There is some concern Here, though, heading into the contest, because if you look at the last five games for the Diamondbacks, they scored three, three runs, one run, one run, no runs, one run. So that's six runs in their last five games. Yeah. And this
0: I think goes all the way back to mid-June. I mean, they have not been nearly as consistent offensively. You know, their offensive uh, numbers are down since the middle of June. And, you know, that hot start that they got off to. I don't think it was necessarily them being found out. You know, the running game was had a lot to do with uh, what they were doing in the first part of the season. But all I think it was Diamondbacks specific that that, uh, you know, got shut down more. I think that, that uh, you know, baseball in general, managers, you know, there's some smart managers out there. There's some smart organizations out there. You know, while stolen bases were still up in the second half of the season compared to what we had seen in prior years, It wasn't nearly as high of a success rate as far as stolen bases go. The Diamondbacks also had about a month where they just ran into a lot of stupid outs on the bases when they were too aggressive. I think that they've definitely taken care of that here lately, however. They've gotten much better, uh, much smarter on the bases, much like uh, a team that you would expect, quite frankly. You know, I think they got away with so much early in the season that they didn't quite realize that teams have kind of figured things out, not necessarily about them, but against just how to defend the running game better. And uh, that re- re- certainly was reflected in numbers you know, around Major League Baseball that stolen bases. I don't have numbers going from first to third or second to home, but I'm guessing that those numbers were also down the second half of the season
1: a look at the playoffs and we'll start with the national league here the cubs went four and seven to finish the season they ended up missing the playoffs so we have the one seed with the braves the two seed with the dodgers the three seed with the brewers the four seed is the phillies the five seed ended up being the marlins and the six seed here being the arizona diamondbacks uh, we do know one of the other matchups here tuesday between the marlins and the phillies it's going to be jesus lazaro versus zach wheeler
0: that whole series just seems to be a mismatch. Once again, it's a short series, and anything can happen. But it, uh, I cannot make much of a case for the Marlins winning that series. In fact, I can't make any case for them winning other than it's just kind of a short series and some things go in their favor luck-wise. But I think there'd have to be a whole lot going on their side luck-wise. I think that Skip Schumacher has done a tremendous job, especially as a first-year manager in Miami but I just don't know how they can match up against the the Phillies in this series.
1: Uh, So that'll be what's happening over in the National League. Flipping it on over to the American League side of things, the Astros ended up winning the American League West. So how things shape up here is you have the one seed, the Orioles, the two seed, the Astros, three seed, the Twins, the four seed, the Rays, five seed rangers six seed blue jays so tuesday's contest at 12 p.m is going to be the rangers versus the rays this morning i did not see a pitcher listed for the rangers the rays have tyler Glasnow expected to get the start
0: yeah i don't know they don't have anybody else left so who else is going to start for them at this point i guess and even though they got a couple guys did okay during the season but uh you know, the Rays, uh, you know, the Rangers go from winning the division. It looked like they were almost a, quote, sure thing to win the division mid last week to playing on the road in the first round of the wild card, and they go to Tampa.
1: And then the other contest at one thirty eight p.m. is going to be the Blue Jays versus the Twins. I didn't see a pitcher for the Blue Jays and the Twins expected to start Pablo Lopez.
0: Yeah, um, I have no idea how to handicap this series. Yeah, both these teams have very good pitching staffs, better than expected, I think, in both places. I think also you can make a case that both offenses, I don't think there's even a case for them because this is pretty close to a factual evidence here of watching 162 games. I think that both teams' offenses have been very disappointing. I think the one clear, clear edge that the Twins have in this series is they play much better defense than the Blue Jays, so if it comes down to that. Also, I just don't trust... I don't think the Blue Jays play smart baseball. I think the Twins do play smart baseball, but they also strike out more than literally anybody in the major leagues, including the teams that aren't in the playoffs.
1: So when you have other things taking place in Major League Baseball, uh, Gabe Cla- Ka- excuse me—Gabe Kapler was fired as the San Francisco Giants manager, Buck Showalter not to return as the Mets manager, and the Guardians will have to fill their manager role with Terry Francona retiring. So there's plenty of uh, off-season things ahead for some teams.
0: Yeah, a lot of talk about Craig Council going to New York and managing the Mets, Council, a free agent, whenever the Brewers' season ends. Uh, and obviously, you know, David Stearns is now, I forget his official title with the Mets, but he's been kind of running the show now in New York. And uh, so, you know, Stearns and, and Council obviously have a history in Milwaukee. So that's going on as far as the uh, Giants are concerned. Lots of Bog Melvin talk here. Uh, Melvin, who is, at least for now, still the manager of the Padres, even though, I don't know if anybody ever denied this, that there's a rift between Melvin and others in the organization, including the front office. Uh, but Farhan Zaidi, who is the general manager in San Francisco, used to be an assistant general manager or some something along those lines in Oakland when Melvin was the highly successful manager there. So it seems like the speculation that former Diamondbacks player Craig Council is getting up with the Mets and former Diamondbacks manager Bob Melvin, who I think is the best manager the Diamondbacks have ever had, will end up in San Francisco.
1: What else surprised you most about this Major League Baseball season?
0: Um, don't really have one thing that jumps out. Other than I think the, the thing that's been the biggest storyline is just the, you know, pace of play, which I think it worked out incredibly well. I I, ma- I can't imagine that Major League Baseball could have uh, foreseen a better scenario. Uh, the attendance has been the highest. I think I just saw a thing in five minutes ago here that uh, the attendance has been the highest it's been in like 40 years, uh, which doesn't surprise me. The television ratings, for the most part, have been way up this year, and I think a lot of people that had kind of uh, shied away from baseball because of the long games. The games aren't nearly as long, obviously, for a variety of reasons. But I think that what the Major League Baseball was seeking before the season started, they certainly got that and probably even more.
1: Yeah, I think that that's certainly a storyline. I'm curious to know if, you know, there, there was – a lot of discussion throughout the year. Obviously, people just kind of asking players for their opinions about whether or not they they like the the pitch clock, et cetera, and if there is going to be any changes made. And I know that there was even uh, you know players hoping that the pitch clock would change for the postseason and things of that nature. So I am wondering if there will be any sort of agreement, or if it just if it went really well overall for the metrics that count in terms of attendance, in terms of revenue, et cetera, that it'll stay the way that it is.
0: That would be stupid if they went backwards. I mean, uh, they they've made their first progress, and I really think this is the first progress that the sport has made nationally since the 1994 player strike, which resulted in no World Series. I think this is the first time at the end of a year where the general public seemed to enjoy the game more than they had previously.
1: Uh, so to your point here, I have some numbers uh, in terms of attendance for the 2023 season. Over 70 million people attended games across all all of the teams all season long, which is up uh, 9.6% over last year's total. In addition to that, uh, the average attendance per game was 29,295, which increased by 9.1%, making the highest percentage growth in 30 years. So that's uh, a pretty impressive statistics there for major league baseball
0: to me the television ratings are even more important or more noteworthy uh, because there are still more people that watch games on tv than actually attend games
1: definitely and i believe that uh, mlb.tv increased 14 percent over 2022 also looks like uh streaming records hit with 12.7 billion minutes consumed which is a boost of nine percent i'm curious to see what some of the more traditional uh you know your sunday night baseballs etc and then obviously the most important question moving forward for tv numbers is what's going to happen for several teams including the diamondbacks moving forward uh for what they're going to do with regional networks
0: yeah i have no idea i don't pay attention to that just let me know when the games start next year and what channel it's on and i'll watch uh the one thing i would say there that has i think the least i wouldn't say relevance but the, the thing I pay attention to at the least would be the Sunday night baseball ratings because, unfortunately, uh, they had some bad matchups towards the end of the season that they thought were going to be good when they announced some of these matchups like two weeks before they played them. And by the time they got to that point, some of the teams that faded hor- you know horribly in September, like the Cubs, were, you know, quote, stuck on Sunday night baseball.
1: Are we going to get that narrative soon that baseball needs, uh, like, the Yankees to be in postseason baseball, needs the Red Sox to be in postseason baseball? With some of these smaller teams, uh, you know, you still have the Astros, you still have the Dodgers, et cetera. Are are we going to get that narrative soon?
0: To the contrary, I think that uh, this season proved that you don't need the Red Sox or Yankees.
1: Yes. I would say it's fun to see the Orioles as the one seed, uh, an organization that uh, clearly had struggles for several years, made decisions and built upon some youth, and uh, it all kind of came together here as the one seed. I'm curious to see how far yeah. they'll be able to go here in the playoffs. But uh, I
0: think they're, they're going to win the American League. I think they're the, they're the most fun team to watch in baseball. They're a young team that has an incredibly high baseball IQ, as opposed to the Cincinnati Reds, another young team that has no idea and has the lowest baseball IQ you could possibly have.
1: The Diamondbacks will get their postseason started Tuesday, 4.08 p.m. on ESPN2. Brandon Fott expected to be game one starting pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your calls on the other side of the break, 602-260-1060. We'll also dive into some college football next.
0: Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060.
1: 1121 here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Monday. It is October 2nd. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortillaro with you as we react to the weekend that was. Uh, we'll get started here with some college football. If you'd like to chime in, you certainly can. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take calls in this segment. Uh, let's start with the local team, ASU Football. They fell to Cal 24-21. Statistically, Trenton Borgay, 26-41, of 41, 344 yards. It's one interception. Cal, though, they started their drives on an average of ASU's 40-yard line. So that's great field position for Cal, not great for ASU. Cam Scadabo, who, uh, you know, certainly... Might be one of the best players there on ASU's team in certain in certain circumstances because of his dynamic ability. Uh, Twenty-four carries, fifty-nine yards, four catches, ninety-eight yards. His versatility. He also throws the ball. One of one for eighteen yards. But in the end, ASU drops to one and four and zero oh and two in pack of play.
0: More questionable coaching decisions. Um, you know, I thought it was okay that Dillingham. Uh, you know, pretty much did everything humanly possible to try to beat USC because you had to do whatever you could to compete in that game. Cal's not good on offense, and they gambled. They they went for it on, you know, fourth and one from their own 30, didn't make it. Short field touchdown for Cal's shaky offense. Uh, then you mentioned uh, the other short field. Well, there were several of them, but, you know, you Borgay just a horrible interception I know he threw for 10 million yards, but he had no touchdowns and threw some really bad passes when the game was on the line, including the interception deep in ASU territory that gave Cal another short field and another touchdown. They only had 24 points. ASU just handed them 14 points, basically.
1: Uh, so that uh, it certainly gets uh, challenging with Colorado coming in uh, on Saturday for ASU flipping it on over to the U of A side of things here Washington ended up winning the game uh, 31-24 Michael Penix Jr. 30 of 40 363 yards no touchdowns no interceptions for U of A it was Noah Fafita 27 of 39 232 yards three touchdowns one pick he was playing for the injured Jaden Delora and for UW I wonder here you have the question marks about defense and that had been a a question mark all season long going back to last year, too. I'm just curious if maybe they were kind of on cruise control mode with their bye week before playing Oregon. They
0: might be, but I think their defense is highly suspect. And I mentioned this last week. I just we just talked about Cal um, and Cal scored, you know, 30 some points against Washington the week four. I know a lot of those points were in the second half, but If you watch Cal play, you wonder how they could ever score 30-some points in a game against anybody. They're not good on offense. Uh, They don't have a quarterback. They have a really good running game, and they should run the ball more, Cal, which if they just ran the ball against ASU, I think they would have pretty much run them off the field. But they kept throwing passes for some reason. Back to the Washington and the U of A thing. Uh, The the fact that, you know, I think it was a bit of a flat spot, obviously, for – For Washington, they're on bye this week, and they play Oregon next week. But uh, the fact that the U of A hung in there, I don't think there's a quarterback controversy, even though I can make a case that uh, Fafita is better than actually Jaden Delora, but there's probably nobody in Arizona that thinks less of Jaden Delora as a quarterback than I do.
1: Friday night we'll go back to Friday night in the Pac-12 Oregon State with a win over Utah 21 to 7 Utah once again didn't have cam rising uh quarterback Bryson Barnes he came into the contest late in the game he ended up being taken to the hospital but he was released traveled home with the team so that is great news for Bryson Barnes there uh DJU he was 14 of 25 204 yards one touchdown one interception Damian Martinez 16 carries 65 yards one touchdown Utah, 4-1, 1-1 and one, one and one in conference play. Oregon State, 4-1, 1-1 and one, one and one in conference play.
0: So all you suckers who didn't listen to me last week and just get off these Utah games, you deserve to lose if you actually bet on them at this point. Uh, yeah, Rising's still out. Their best linebacker's still out. Their best tight end still out. A couple of their defensive linemen still out. And in fact, they mentioned during the Fox broadcast on Friday night the Cam Rising may not be back until mid-October. We were told that he might play the first game of the season. We've been pretty much uh, there's been hints that they would be playing that particular week, and we're sitting here on October the 2nd, and he's yet to play the game.
1: Uh, Georgia, they survived over Auburn, uh, 27 to 20, and it's the Brock Bowers show, eight catches, 157 yards, and one touchdown.
0: Yeah, I think he's actually the best player in college football, which usually uh, used to be uh, the best player in college football, won the Heisman Trophy, or at least was a contender. I don't even have him hear his name mentioned. Uh, But, yeah, he's tremendous. He's great. However, I think that Georgia has to be really concerned about its defense at this point, especially heading into a Kentucky game this week, which can run the ball and has a really good offensive line. And Georgia – against a really not good offense from uh, Auburn, gave up 200-plus yards rushing just last week. This last you know, Saturday, tomorrow, you know, two days ago, they allowed over 200 yards rushing to Auburn, who couldn't do anything the week before against Texas A&M's defense, which isn't bad, but still, you know, Georgia's going to have to figure out how to stop the run within a week, or they're going to lose this week at home to Kentucky.
1: Uh, Then you have USC surviving Colorado come back, 48-41. Caleb Williams, 30-40, 403 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. But once again, uh, USC's defense is a problem. Colorado ended up going 9-18 of on third down, and they amassed 564 yards of total offense.
0: Yeah, once again, this kind of reminds me of the Cardinals game a little bit. If anybody actually thought that Colorado was going to win, you know They are smoking something, and people smoke a lot in Colorado, I'm told, and it seems to be legal, so whatever. Maybe that's that was part of the deal there. Colorado was never going to win this game, but USC's defense, what I've seen the last two weeks against ASU and this game against Colorado, I don't care how good Caleb Williams is, I've seen enough of USC's defense for the last two years that they are not to me legitimate national championship contenders.
1: Ole Miss beat LSU 55 to 49. Jaden Daniels was good, 27 of 36, 414 yards, four touchdowns. He also carried the ball 15 times, 99 yards, punched it in on the ground as well. Jackson Dart, 26 of 39, 389 yards, four touchdowns. And then we talked about where the Ole Miss run game go. Well, it came back with Quishon Judkins, 33 carries, 177 yards, and a touchdown.
0: Yeah, the first time he's really been healthy this season, and uh, the run game suddenly returns. Uh, so they had 21 explosive plays, though, and many of them were running plays. 21 is an insane amount. That's like good for a month for most teams, uh, but they did it in one game. LSU's defense, once again, uh, I don't think there's any big secret here, not of championship caliber. Uh, we talked about how their secondary. Not good. And uh, Brian Kelly was complaining after the previous game and the, the you know the close win against Arkansas that their defense is always chasing, uh, and uh, that was not a compliment about his defensive backs. And they were terrible the other night. And LSU can eliminate them officially. I think. Well, I guess not officially, but they're not going to be able to have two losses even if they win the SEC at this point it seems highly unlikely that a two loss sec champion would be in the college football playoff so they got a big time uphill climb to go here for for lsu to get back in the picture
1: Notre Dame and Duke Notre Dame 21 Duke 14 what a drive by Sam Hartman there with 235 to play including the 17 yard run on fourth and 16 to keep the drive going uh man that was something sad to see Riley Leonard though suffer a high ankle sprain at the end of the game he is expected to miss multiple weeks now according to Pete Thamel but Notre Dame uh surviving at Duke
0: yeah he's lucky if it's only high ankle sprain so uh yeah, amazing run for Hartman, who's not exactly the most fleet-of-foot person of all time. That kind of that play reminded me, of actually, last night's play of Mahomes rushing for the first down to end the game. Kind of reminded me, I thought, back to Hartman, uh, you know, Mahomes can run, Hartman can't, but the fact that uh, both teams were at man coverage, long distance on the uh, you know, third or fourth down play, depending on which game you're talking about here. Uh, I think that the, certainly the scheme played something to do with the, those two quarterbacks running for key first downs. But uh, I also thought you know, Hartman, the class that he showed after that game, waiting around, because he obviously is very good friends with Riley Leonard from Hartman's days in the ACC when he was at Wake Forest. And for him waiting to you know, for several minutes uh, before Leonard left the, the medical tent on the Duke sideline uh at the end of that game just to see if his friend was okay uh not surprised because i saw hartman a lot last year on the acc network he was kind of like a nightly guest on the saturday night post game show when wake forest was winning a bunch of games but uh really good quarterback he made some really not so great throws in this game but uh he made a couple of big plays and a 99 yard drive to base 98 yard drive my bad Ninety eight 88-yard drive for the winning touchdown, it looked like Notre Dame was pretty much in big trouble. They were in big trouble, but they lost in the last play, obviously the week before against Ohio State, then they won the last drive of the game the week later. I was pretty impressed how they bounced back, and I personally don't think they're going to have a whole lot of trouble this week at Louisville because I've seen Louisville like two or three games now, and I know they're undefeated, but I don't think that Louisville is anything more than a barely above-average team.
1: Let's get into some NFL discussion here before we'll get into the poll questions on the other side of the break. Uh, You have the Vikings topping Panthers 21 to 13. The Vikings picked up their first win of the season. The Panthers were trying to get their first win of the season and the Vikings were also trying to gift it to the Panthers multiple different times. Kirk Cousins, 12 of 19, 139 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, including a pick six and including a hellacious hit as he was trying to tackle an interception uh, the Vikings though were eventually able to capitalize on a Bryce Young fumble scoop and score for the Vikings here 17 carries 95 yards and the Panthers continue to have issues getting in the play calls and some clock management
0: yeah they look like a horribly coached team and you know, obviously I'm not uh, a big fan of their coaching staff and haven't been for some time but uh, I think they're definitely one of three or four candidates to be the worst team in the league they're terrible, and looks like that they're uh, poorly organized and just uh, lack talent. Quite frankly, their offensive line—I can make a case. Of Bryce Young, there are a few quarterbacks that are playing worse than him right now in the NFL. Uh,
1: yeah, he, he's in that rookie class uh, that you—you know—you always compare, right, right or wrong, with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. He is certainly trailing uh, very far behind the other two. Well, I'm not taking a
0: vic Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, absolutely, I'm not taking a victory lap after four games here. But I thought that C.J. Stroud should have been the you know, number one pick of that draft for weeks, months uh, before that actually happened. And you, know, you had Stroud, who has been over 300 yards. He was again yesterday throwing it down the field. Obviously, if you're getting 300 yards, unless you're throwing a billion times, but he's now got 151 attempts without any interceptions. He has six touchdowns. Uh, And the thing that was most surprising, if we're going to kind of jump it back to Houston here, sorry, but uh, the Houston-Pittsburgh game is without the starting tackles, both of them still out for Houston, Tunsell and Titus Howard, and that's one of the best offensive tackle combinations in the NFL when healthy. Neither of those guys played again, and Stroud wasn't sacked by Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, One other thing first before I move and talk a little bit more about that Texan Steelers contest is that you have Carolina where they currently are. They have the number two overall pick, but they don't actually have it because they traded it to the Bears in order to get Bryce Young. So that's like adding insult to injury in terms of how this season is currently unfolding for them. In the Texans uh, and the Steelers win for the Texans 30 to 6, Mike Garofolo reporting Kenny Pickett's knee injury will be uh, brief as he avoided an ACL tear prior to exiting 15 of 23, 114 yards, one interception. You touched on. CGI. J. strouds 306 yards two touchdowns most importantly no sacks against a defense that can get to the quarterback they struggle against the run and damian pierce ended up being able to take advantage of it with 24 carries 81 yards the texans amassed 451 total yards and the steelers just 225 total yards
0: and damian pierce had been so bad the first three weeks of the season that some fantasy owners had actually dropped him uh but he was okay yesterday the Steelers have more issues than just Kenny Pickett, who I would think, um, going back to my – I wavered back and forth with him. Uh, that he was okay by the end of last season and then thought he might be okay this year. Didn't buy into that preseason crap when he was going against all the garbage defenses in the league and backup players who are now unemployed in the NFL playing in the preseason. But he's been bad. Uh, you know, I don't care who the player caller is. It doesn't matter. If you have a quarterback, before he got hurt, he threw possibly the worst interception I've seen this year in the NFL, throwing into triple coverage, a play that had zero chance. Also, another team that had the starting left tackle go down with an injury yesterday, Dan Moore. I can't imagine he's playing anytime soon. And Pat fryer also left because of an injury, and he's, I think, their most reliable receiver.
1: The Bengals on the road to Tennessee. The Titans come out with a 27-3 victory. T. Higgins left with a rib fracture. Jamar Chase postgame comments saying he's always open. Uh, Seven catches, nine targets, 73 yards for him. Joe Burrow's day was 20 of 30, 165 yards and three sacks, obviously dealing with that calf injury. Ryan Tannehill was 18 of 25, 240 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And Derek Henry with the load, 22 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown.
0: Okay, I'm going to stay away from the Titans for now because, you know, that pretty much sums up their situation. They were, they were their superior team. Not surprisingly, their defensive line dominated the Bengals. And I know that Burrow is limited. I don't think you, you could have Lamar Jackson. You're really, you know, do a whole lot of anything. The most Whoever you think is the most mobile quarterback in the world, this offensive line is atrocious. Four weeks into the offensive line, four four weeks into the season, this offensive line just has no clue how to pass protect. Uh, Yesterday, you know, Tennessee doesn't even blitz much. Uh, Early in the season, was they just had no concept the Bengals offensive line how to pick up the most basic blitz. Now they just can't block anybody in front of them, and they got destroyed at the offensive line. Chase can bitch and moan all he wants, but it's really hard. Uh, for a quarterback to get the ball down the field if he doesn't have any time to throw and you know Burrow, even if he was mobile, has a zero chance to succeed with this offensive line, which I don't think is gonna get any better anytime soon. Second time in three you know, what four games that the Bengals have scored three points this season. It's the offensive line that's the biggest issue in you know Cincinnati, not the Burrow injury.
1: And the Bengals will be here on Sunday. Playing the Cardinals, the Cowboys walloped the Patriots 38 to three. Mac Jones was pulled. Bill, Bill Belichick, though, said post game that uh, Mac will continue to be the starter moving forward. 12 of 21, 150 yards, two interceptions, including a pick six, including a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, just multiple different times. Backpedaling, throwing off his back foot, throwing across his body. Definitely overwhelmed by the pressure, whether it was there or not there. Uh, the Cowboys, though, they didn't really do anything in the red zone so those issues continue just one of four um this situation for the patriots isn't going to get better anytime soon with mac jones at the quarterback position
0: yeah i'm not the biggest mac jones fan you know that uh, that pick that he threw you know i almost could jump out of my chair run in front of my television and you know undercut the receiver and pick that up myself Uh, but you know I've said this since he was at, at Alabama the man has no arm strength and he had a great situation in Alabama where he just had to throw passes and hit guys in stride and those that was one of the greatest wide receiver combinations and you know groups of all time in the history of college football I'm not exaggerating there at all he's not good the thing that's most surprising me about the New England offense is that they look like they're just as unorganized this year and I mean unorganized They don't know what the hell they're doing with Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. It seems to be no different to me. None.
1: That's not good because that was the reason he came here was to fix that situation.
0: They had 12 guys in the field one play yesterday. Twelve.
1: The Chargers 24-17 over the Raiders. The Chargers tried to lose this game. Justin Herbert, 13 of 24, 167 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and obviously going to monitor him with his finger injury on his non-throwing hand uh, that he suffered trying to make a tackle on his interception. Aiden O'Connell got the start for uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo, who was in concussion protocol, 24 of 39, 238 yards, one interception, and that pick ended up being what sealed the game. Uh, as it was an interception in the end zone.
0: Yeah, that that kid also had no chance. Very similar to DTR uh, game, moving way too fast for him. Yeah, you know, six sacks. Yeah, you know, for uh, uh, the, the, Khalil Mack, the guy. That, yeah, it's him, Khalil Mack. The dude who was drafted by the Raiders uh, several years ago and ended up in Chicago and now in Los Angeles. And quite frankly, Mack has been somewhat of a disappointment since he's been traded to Chargers, but not yesterday. So, uh, you know, the Raiders, another candidate uh, to be uh, amongst the worst teams in the league. And uh, they had, uh, you know, they're they're just, they're bad. And the thing that's most surprising to me about the Raiders is with the same basic offensive line, which was surprisingly good last season, they've been atrocious so far this season. And it doesn't matter if it's O'Connell or, you know, Garoppolo, who's already had one concussion this year and actually had to remember that first game of the season he actually went to the tent to get chucked out for a concussion so that's two of the three games he's played so far this season where there's been at least some point in the game where they thought he had a concussion
1: and the Buccaneers dominating the Saints 26 to 9 if Carr was injured should he have been playing he was 23 of 37 for 127 yards I don't think I've ever seen a stat line like that Alvin Kamara I don't think I've ever seen a stat line like this with 13 catches for 33 yards Um, there's a lot of playmakers though on this offense so wondering if it's a combination of Carr the injury I'm wondering if it's the offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael but with the NFC South being Kind of there for the Saints, this has to be disappointing.
0: Well, you left out the most important thing, sorry, but you know, their offensive line is atrocious. Uh, once again, with a lot of the same guys they had before, last year the excuse was a lot of those guys were injured. They're mostly healthy this year. They are really bad. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, doesn't matter who the wide receivers are, doesn't matter who the running back is. They're really bad in the offensive line. Their defense can only do so much and uh rarely have i felt more dumb about a team in the nfl five weeks into the season than i do the saints this year because i thought they were almost a lock and i hate that term uh to win the uh win the division because the division's terrible and they seem to have a very easy schedule they're bad and uh i don't think they're getting get any better and uh tampa bay kicked basically kicked their ass yesterday and Tampa beat him in every area, and Mike Evans didn't even play like the last three quarters because of a hamstring injury.
1: The Chiefs they held on to win 23-20 over the Jets. Mahomes it was maybe one of the worst games he's had in the NFL. 18 of 30, 203 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But when he needed it most, did it with his legs. It's poll question time next.
0: HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2.
1: Question time here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's not waste any more time. The Arizona Cardinals, they're 1-3 on the season. Through the first four games, the KDOS 1060.com poll question, are you convinced with the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, and his coaching staff? Yes or no?
0: Uh, yes, uh, I think that they do a good job putting their players in the best position to you know, win or have a chance to win, even though I don't ever think one second yesterday they had a chance to win. Uh, they fell behind early, obviously, against a vastly superior as far as talent and everything else goes, San Francisco team. I know they got down to a three-point margin at one point. I think that was the Niners kind of going into neutral for a while, And when they got out of neutral, they just basically dominated the rest of the game after that. But I do think that, uh, especially offensively, where they do have some players that are of NFL caliber, uh, I think that they've done a really good job putting those guys. And the play calling with Petsing has been, I think, excellent uh, for the majority of the season so far. And I don't think that's going to necessarily change uh, because he gets the ball in the right direction. Get, gets the ball in the hands of the guys that can make some plays. Defensively, I don't really think there's much that the Cardinals can do against the you know, decent offenses because they just have such a lack of talent and uh, their defensive backfield situation. I don't know if they even have any players that could really cover particularly well. Uh, Jalen Thompson, really good against the run. Uh, got He's been in you know situations where he had to make some plays on defense and pass coverage in two of the last three weeks, and that's not his strength. And then, once again, Marco Wilson is just terrible. And I can't imagine there's many teams in the NFL where he would be a starting cornerback right now.
1: So I'm on the yes side of things here. They certainly have the players buying in, believing in the message, uh, believing in understanding the technique that they want to play with, the schemes that they want to play in. So in terms of being well-coached, that is absolutely apparent. Uh, I think being competitive in these games at least to the level i mean the 49ers I, I think we're both in agreement here that we believe in them being the best team in the nfl as it is right now so it was always going to be a really tough task here going up against this team if the 49ers played uh, up to their their skill set and their ability but in terms of just playing competitively in terms of not having some of the uh, miscues that we've maybe seen in past regimes this has been a really impressive start. Knowing full well uh, that they kind of were already starting behind the eight ball. And so when you talk about teams like, for instance, we brought up the Panthers and and we're like, they just don't seem to have a semblance of uh, what people are supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be, that you're not seeing that with this Cardinals team, at least through the first four weeks. So I'm highly impressed with what I've been seeing so far from the coaching staff. So I'm on the yes side of things. The masses are also on the yes side of things at 85 percent of the vote. No sitting at 15 percent let's toss this on over to twitter at kdosam am 1060 does the diamondbacks four game losing streak to end the regular season mean anything in this week's wild card series at milwaukee uh i mean obviously it means you don't get to start zach Gallen uh to start the series but you get him for game two brandon fight gets the start i do think here everything resets i mean i'm concerned that the bats have been relatively quiet here for quite some time i think i saw something that they're batting like close to 150 as a team for these last five games so it hasn't been great offensive production it's concerning but mindset changes you're in the postseason now it's not trying to get to the postseason you're here so uh just let it rip and have some fun in the playoffs and so i i think i'm gonna say it's a little concerning based upon just evidence but Mindset changes. Go have fun. Uh, so I'm going to say to answer the question, no.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that uh, I think there's plenty of evidence. I think the best case that I can think of, not even off the top of my head, but thinking about this question and answer for you know a few hours now, is that the 1999 Yankees, who you know, ended up winning the World Series, they were awful to end the regular season in that particular year. This is after they had the unbelievable team in 1998, pretty much the exact same team the next year. That team was totally bored by the time they got to September the following year. And I remember all the doom and gloom. Oh, they, they, they look like that they've lost it and so forth. Well, they blew through the playoffs and won again in 1999. Uh, so therefore, yeah, that's the best example I can ever remember the regular season and how a team ends the season heading into the playoffs made zero difference once the playoffs started.
1: The masses are on the yes side of things here to the tune of 66.7% of the vote, no sitting at 33.3%. This is on Twitter at KDUSAM1060. We wrap up hour number one on the other side, or I'm sorry, hour number two. The whole show, the whole I, show I is done. Gonna,
0: <laughs> I was gonna say we got is there another hour.
1: Well, you know what? There's been so much to talk to, talk about that I still have I things on my notes. So you know, why not? Oh yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, well, I got tons of tons of notes here. I could go on forever, but that would be probably. Uh, something that the public would probably not want
1: but i (laughs) will say this i am getting hungry so that kind of trumps you know hanging around for another hour i need to get some lunch but no we do have a monday night football (laughs) contest that's uh between the seahawks and the giants tonight we'll wrap up this edition of extra point on the other side of the break
0: Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060.
1: Monday, October 2nd edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, Bob, it's thank you time.
0: As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, an MLB wildcard round preview with Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. On Tuesday, we are have our weekly fantasy football update with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. That'll be at 9:15. 15 Sound day, courtesy of... Oh, I just lost my window.
1: Um, I got you. It's Fox.
0: Fox. I knew Fox was first, and then my window just kind of vanished on me there. Fox, Sorry.
1: Major League Baseball, KBME, Pac-12 Networks, and CBS.
0: Yeah, it says that right here because I have my window back. So now I can say, as always, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next.
1: Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the two with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight the Seahawks minus one and a half Giants plus one and a half over under sitting at 47 and a half Saquon Barkley doubtful for tonight. Andrew Thomas left tackle already ruled out Ben Bredesen likely back. So that at least helps the left side of the line a little bit. Uh, so this, this, I think the giants aren't good, right? I know they made the playoffs last year, <laughs> but I, I think they might not be good.
0: <laughs> I think you have a point and also a big Geno Smith revenge game. Uh, not in the same team, but in the same stadium in the swamps of Jersey. Also, Jamal Adams' uh, revenge game—not with the same against the same team, but the same built, you know, same stadium in New Jersey. Uh, so there's that. Still not really sure about the you know health of the Seahawks, but the, you mentioned uh, the problems that the Giants have. I'm on the Seahawks a little bit here, not a lot, but, you know, I do have an investment and also. Uh, the football pool I'm in mean, every week. This is one of our this is our, our final selection of the week and if we win this game tonight we'll have had another pretty good week to start the season. So I'm on the Seattle side here, but uh not one of those uh you know, break the bank type of games.
1: Well, you mentioned uh not sure what the health is for the Seahawks. Looking at the injury report, I mean it was overwhelming. I think it was like the whole team was right. on the injury report. I know Pete Carroll kinda does um, that, but
0: That's correct. You can't ever believe anything Pete Carroll says about injuries. You know, he's gone to the uh, Kyle Whittingham school of, uh, you know, don't believe anything he says about injuries except it's the other way around because, you know, Carroll's been doing this forever.
1: The other thing of note here, and we'll just quickly get into it Trailblazers sent Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, and two first round picks. The Celtics are certainly all in now on trying to get, win a title. Holiday at 33 years old. Celtics plus 380, Bucks 380, Suns plus 550 were the odds that I saw on the FanDuel Sportsbook app this morning. Thanks as always for listening. The Sports Home with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 9 a.m.